Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Jeremy Chance. Uh, Jeremy has been uh, studying the Alexander Technique since 1967 and has been a teacher for uh, well over 30 years. He runs the world's largest professional teacher education school for Alexander Technique teachers in Japan with studios in Osaka and Tokyo and soon-to-be Los Angeles. He also has um, a website based uh, on a blog that he's been running for some time, um, which is really um, a, a blog about how to how to be successful as an Alexander Technique teacher. And he's developed a 12-point um, uh, plan to do that. We probably won't discuss all 12 points, but we'll put a link to his his website, and you can read more about it there. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Robert. Well, I'm glad to talk to you. It's been a long time since we've... Um, to, well, no, it hasn't been a long time. We've had other discussions, but we haven't talked in a long time before recently. Um, no, we, we, the listeners may be curious to know that actually we did training together in London back in the 70s. Back in, in, the, in the day, yeah. You were about a year or two ahead of me, I believe. Uh, yeah, I graduated in the But it was with Paul and Betty Collins and Vivian Mackey and Margaret Farrar and others. Um, so uh, you, you, have, you started posting... Um, blog entries on this topic several months ago on Facebook and you you got quite a quite a large response you uh analyzed various teacher situations and um and seemed to have helped turn uh several teachers uh, strategy for making a living around uh before we get into the specific 12 points or the ones that would be useful to talk about um What's your? Do you have sort of a general um, idea behind all this? Or, uh, how, what, what, if there is one, what would you say it is? Psychophysical unity. Oh, just like FM, and that, That's and, right. and so, you, in a sense, what you're saying is you're applying the or a, maybe the basic Alexander technique underlying principle to the whole question of how does an Alexander teacher make a living? That's correct. Okay. What happens in mm-hmm. most people's mind that I've discovered, including my own, mm-hmm. um, we separate the process of teaching from the process of marketing and selling it to people. We, we think of them as two different things in much the same way that some people think of mind and body as two different things. And but what happens is mm-hmm. um, people have a great interest, of course, in the teaching room, and then they feel helpless or disempowered or confused about what to do outside the teaching room to gather students. So they, and would you say the pattern is often they'll have some students that'll be that that'll be good students and will make progress and do all the good stuff that Alexander teachers like to see, but that doesn't translate into enough students to make a living? 
that's what seems to happen, and I think it happens, that people don't understand or people need to realise that they actually have the skill sets they need to mount an affecting, effective marketing and sales program about their work. Because, you know, if mind and body give us separate images, but we know from Alexander's work that we're really just looking at different aspects of one thing. Mm-hmm. So, so, so is it with teaching and marketing and sales that give people very different images, but they are both apps concerned with the same thing. So what is that thing? That thing is communication with other human beings. And the Alexander lesson doesn't begin when the student comes into the room. The Alexander lesson begins the second, the moment, the instant they come into contact with you or your website or your brochure or the interview on the radio or whatever it is that catches their interest. That's the beginning of their experience of Alexander Technique. And so it's, it's up to you as a teacher to do everything under your control to make that initial um, connection point one that's most likely to lead the, stu- the potential student to become a for real student. Well, that's where it becomes interesting because if you start to dig down into what is communication, um, there is a definite relationship there, which is one person is seeking something, which is the student, and one person has something to offer, which is the teacher. Now, the closer those two match, the more successfully the relationship will become. So when a woman's interested in me and I'm interested in her, it's a very successful relationship. But when I'm interested in one thing and she's interested in something else, it's not a successful relationship. So the first thing an Alexander Technique teacher needs to figure out for themselves is what is it that they're actually offering and who are they offering it to? So um, I can think of um, uh, something that might fall into this category of a potential mismatch of a potential mismatch uh it, let's say the field of posture a lot of people these days are interested in improving their posture for all kinds of reasons it's become really a pretty it's a major search term for the uh, it leads people to the alexander technique and of course a lot of alexander teachers tend to be wary of that word because it because of associations with it that are not haven't been helpful and so they'll even say oh i don't teach posture which obviously would create quite a mismatch right at the beginning right well that's where you know i remember sitting with Marge in her house in Lincoln one day. This is Marjorie Barstow we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. My, mm-hmm. my, my, one of my teachers, my most precious teacher. Mm-hmm. Mine too. In the Alexander world. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, we were just talking about students and how to approach them. And then she made a remark which kind of stuck in my head and has stayed there for a long, long time. And it's very interesting because the same concept appears in marketing all the time. And she said to me, she said, 
you have to start with where your student thinking is. <laughs> yes. Pardon the voice. No, that's exactly. I can I can hear her saying that. Yeah. So, right. So if they're thinking posture, yeah. then talk posture. Because, uh, you know, do you want to build the relationship or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you're the... You're the one who is inviting. They're the one that is deciding if they come or not. I mean, that's an essential quality of the relationship. You can swap that relationship around, in fact, um, but that's a more advanced teaching that I offer people further down the track. Mm -hmm. At the early stage, we're simply looking at how can you make an invitation to someone which is hard for them to refuse. So... um is by matching what they need and want as closely as possible. Yeah, well, that's and and that's interesting uh, to me. Uh, to, I mean, speaking personally, uh, I don't have any problem saying that I help people with posture, but I do add the little caveat that I'm, I'm and I'm now wondering whether that's has been a useful thing to do. I say, yeah, it's so it's about posture as long as you think of posture as a process or a verb and not a fixed position or a noun. But and that's that sounds great to me. But I don't know now that you you know we're talking about this that 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 might be something to just leave for later in the in the connection process. What do you think? Well, I think it it depends again on who the person is. I mean, if you're in the room with them. The mm-hmm. thing to do is to say that and watch what their eyes do because if their eyes kind of start sagging and getting glassy, then you know you just lost them. Right, right, right. So maybe the best thing the to do is just to go to work and then when the time comes, you say, you know, there is this misconception about posture being a position and so on. But after they've had at least a little bit of experience of ease and easier breathing or whatever... See, one of the ways I think it, that I, I talk about is a bit like um, what you're offering somebody is something that they don't even know that they need, mm-hmm. except that when they get it, they'll wonder how they ever did without it. It's a bit like an Apple's iPhone, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, the way we, we, we're selling. So you really don't want to make any obstacle at all. You, you don't want to, uh, if you like argue with your student before they've become your student. Mm-hmm. You really want them to feel comfortable and safe. You want them to think, well, this is what I've been looking for and this is what they're offering. Now, of course, we all know that when they get into the room and we start to work with them, it's going to be almost diametrically opposite to what they conceived they were going to get and they will get what they wanted and they'll get a lot more than what they wanted. So there's integrity in the position of simply not explaining the fact to people that, well, actually what we're going to do isn't anything that you can imagine, and I can't tell you, so I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you, yes, I can give you better posture, and I'd love to do that. Why don't you come and visit me? And that that has integrity and ethics because you know that you'll deliver on that, but you won't deliver it in the way that they imagine you will deliver it. And that's where Alexander Technique teachers make a mistake in their communication process 
because they think the person should know that before they come into the teaching room. Mm-hmm. But that's something that happens after they get into the teaching room. Well, I, you know, to me, that's pretty clear. Uh, what you're saying is pretty clear with the area of posture. But let's take another uh, major reason that people come, which is pain and quite often back pain. Uh, would you take pretty much the same stance there? You, someone calls and says, I have back pain. Can you help me? Uh, what, what's your first answer to them? I quote the British Medical Journal study. Which, yeah, which says that... Uh, well, basically uh, uh, says that the, the, there was a study published right, in right. 2008 in the British Medical Journal using 569 people over five years. There were 69 people mm-hmm. in a trial who had 24 Alexander lessons or right, 20 right, over yeah. a period. Yeah. And they reported one year after the lessons had finished an 80%, 86% reduction in back pain. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I could see, you know, I could certainly imagine some Alexander teachers listening to this and uh, being upset by the idea of making a promise about pain relief uh, that to them might seem uh, partly uh, veering into the area of therapy, which a lot of teachers don't want to be connected with directly and or just a promise that may not be fulfilled i mean some some students are going to come and their back pain's probably not going to get any better it does happen well you know i i have more faith in the work i guess i mean in mm-hmm. japan for example it's not back pain that's a big thing there it's a thing called katakori which translates roughly as shoulder and neck pain mm-hmm and if I get a group of people in a room, I'll say to them, okay, hands up everyone who's got category at the moment. And usually almost all the room puts their hand up. Mm-hmm. And I say, would any of you believe it if I told you that right now, tonight, I'm going to get rid of your category? And they all look at me as if I'm insane. And I say, well, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I go around and I do it because it's simple. Mm-hmm. I can look at them and I know exactly why they've got neck and shoulder pain and I know exactly how to help them get out of it. Now, they get out of it and their faces are amazed and then, of course, the next question they ask me is, well, how can I do that? Can I, how do I do that myself? And my answer is, well, that's what you're coming here to study. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I deliver on the promise. And if I don't deliver on the promise, I'd give them their money back. Hmm. Well, I think that's, um, we've sort of established a good framework here for going into some of the key points of your your 12 point program why don't you pick uh two or three and we'll we'll take we'll discuss each one or you'll you'll mostly talk about each one yeah well i think you know the first one is your motivation you know it's it's what what's driving you uh to be successful as an alexander technique teacher because my interest is financially successful alexander teachers and i deliberately frame it in terms of finance of money because it doesn't lie as a reference point to tell you that you are getting through to a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, that, that immediately yep. rubs some teachers the wrong way. It doesn't seem like that's a politically correct thing to say and so on and so forth. But you, take, you take issue. Well, I know you don't care. <laughs> but I mean, you basically take issue with that position. I mean, you're... you're I basically say that the 
smartest way to find out if you're actually propagating Alexander's discoveries to mainstream America or mainstream Europe or wherever mm-hmm. you happen to live uh, can be gauged on how much money you're making mm-hmm. out of your mm-hmm. Alexander Technique lessons. It's very simple. And, and I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I would think that the a, a kind of a corollary of that is if an, if someone goes through a training course and spends all that money and time becoming a teacher and they don't get enough students to to be working full time uh, or even part time they end up eventually not being a teacher anymore and so there's a whole array of opportunities that have been lost well in fact robert that's what motivated me to do what I'm doing today because I was training teachers, or these days I prefer to use the word educating teachers, in um, Japan. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed is that a lot of them weren't able to practice. And I basically asked myself, do I want to spend my life educating people to do something that they don't end up doing? And I thought, no, I don't. I, I have a lot of other abilities and talents and interests, particularly in the theater, in film. I could simply go into that area and I think I'd have more impact and more fun. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to stay in the Alexander world, then I have to include my job description as a education director of Body Chance that I will create the education and the opportunity needed that my teachers can actually go out and have a successful career. And I define a successful career very modestly. If people think I'm about a million dollars, It's really about, I say that simply to wake people up and shake them about a bit. Mm -hmm. What I really define success for an Alexander teacher is that you have a family, maybe two children and a wife. You want to run a car, pay a mortgage, save a little money every month, have enough to take a vacation with your kids somewhere, uh, pay for your health insurance and put a little money away for savings. I mean, that's my definition of a successful Alexander Technique teacher. And I would guess that probably less than 10% of our entire community actually meet that criteria. I would guess it's it's less than 10%, really. Well, I was being generous. Yeah, yeah. And that's a tragedy. It's an it, absolute tragedy, given the incredibly significance of Alexander's discovery and the potential it has to mm-hmm. transform people's lives. So you, people need to understand that my focus on money simply comes from my much deeper passion for this work, which is how I started to talk, which is to say the first success driver has to be your passion and your commitment to the work, and the second one has to be money, if you're going to make any impact at all in your life to other people's lives. That's the only criteria by which you can measure what you're doing in a way which is undeniably accurate. It won't lie. Yeah. Numbers don't yeah. lie. They don't have an opinion. They don't have a voice. They don't think you're good or you're bad. They simply tell you this week you made $5,000. This week you made $500. And that's the difference between 10 lessons and 100 lessons, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, simple. And, yeah, it is, it is simple. Um, and another aspect of that, uh, and I'm, I tend to see a lot of stuff through the prism of the of the internet, uh, every potential Alexander Technique teacher who is not teaching 
and of course and and um, doesn't for example have even a website is actually a, a kind of, it's a loss not just for them it's a loss for all the other teachers because people the, the higher the visibility of the technique is in general certainly on the web the better off everybody else is so a teacher that 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 goes through a training course and spends all that money and time and then doesn't teach that's a lost opportunity for everybody mm, I, I'm, and I agree with that and I I'm, you know sometimes I know in Tokyo Teachers have been quite fearful of body chance. It's like you know Starbucks opening up next to the local coffee store. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But the thing that that many teachers have discovered in Tokyo is that because body chance was very active in the whole area of internet marketing, of publicity, of talking to magazines, that although they are in no way associated with body chance, their phones ringing more often. Oh, I don't. I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, London, England's the easiest place to get started as an Alexander teacher, probably, just because there are there's such a great knowledge of it there. There's so many teachers, and yeah, I th- I do think Alexander teachers have a propensity to think in zero sum terms sometimes when it comes to that that kind well, of. Well, we come from a culture like that. I mean, that part of my mission with Body Chance is to create a to transform a failure culture into a success culture. You know, it's almost, oh, you know, you probably won't get lessons, you probably won't be able to work, it's a very hard profession. I mean, that's the the, the cultural milieu, if you like, that, that when anyone enters into our Alexander community, that's what they find out. And, of course, it's really hard for anybody to go against that. That's right. what I'm doing. And, of course, I'm attracting a lot of controversy and criticism, and, and uh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. What would be another key point that would be worth uh, talking about a bit? Niching. Yes, you're big on niching. Tell us about that, why it's so important. Well, the trouble with Alexander's discoveries is they're just so vast. I mean, there's nothing they can't help, you know. Mm -hmm. And for a marketing person, that's, that's both a dream and a nightmare. Because you can't, unless you're McDonald's or Coca-Cola or Nike or one of those huge corporate entities, you haven't got the money to market to mainstream. It's impossible. It's what we, it, the difference between what we'll call, is called vertical marketing and horizontal marketing. So horizontal marketing is when you're you know, selling cars or selling food. You're, you're, you're going across mainstream society and, and using newspapers and TV and spending huge amounts of money. Well, no Alexander Technique teacher, body chance included, can possibly compete at that level. So what's the alternative is what's called vertical marketing, which is where you focus down onto a specific individual or community of individuals who have very clearly defined problems that they're seeking solutions for, and then you figure out how can Alexander's discoveries offer a solution for that particular person and whatever the need is they have. And then you don't sell Alexander Technique because that's meaningless to a person. You sell a solution to the problem, whatever that problem is. So niching means finding someone, a community with a specific problem that you have a solution for and letting them know that you can do that for them. That's niching. And you, it, 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 
it makes it easier to get your message to that group because it's a much smaller group. And presumably individuals in those groups know other individuals in those groups, so they may. And so it's a little easier to get referrals. Is that part of what you're thinking there? Absolutely, Robert. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what I was initiating our, our interviewer was saying it's communication is all marketing and sales is about, as teaching is about. It's effective communication. Now, in the teaching room, you've got your touch as well, which is an incredibly valuable tool. Mm-hmm. When you're marketing and selling, you're doing what I call long distance communication. So you can't convince them by giving them a little bit of uh, touch and a little bit of an experience. Therefore, you are only able to rely on your words or on your speaking. Um, In that case, you need to really know if the inner monologue, what's the inner monologue of the student? What are they really going to bed at night worrying about and thinking about and being concerned about? Because when they come to your website and the first thing they start reading is that, you know, for example, I'm, are you an artist who, who feels that they have a lot more ability than you're able to express? You know that you can do better. You've done it in the shower, but somehow mm-hmm. every time you mm-hmm. go on stage, something happens and you can't use yourself or make your voice the way you believe you can. Is that you? And they read that and they think, yes, yes, that's me. And they want to read more. They want to know because you're really communicating into their heart, into their mind, what they're really seeking. And if and you can't do that except by niching because it's a little different for everybody what it is that they, they need. And you need to be able to nail it. You need to be able to really focus clearly on that. And that's how you convince someone to come and try something that they've never heard of, that sounds a bit weird, that's a little mysterious. You've got a big obstacle to overcome. Uh, to get people to come to a lesson in Alexander Technique. It's not like going to a dentist or a masseur or even reflexology, yoga, Pilates. They've heard of those things. It's on the movies. Alexander Technique? You've got a huge problem just to overcome their suspicion that you're not some kind of cult. Yeah, and I know that you, in in one of your blogs, you referred to a book by the Heath Brothers. Um, was it Made to Stick? Is that the yeah. title? It's funny because that when that uh, that book, I think that book um, should be read by every Alexander Technique teacher. I think it should be must reading on training courses, and I think they they have really understood that whole communication issue that you just talked about. Yep, that's right. It's and, an, that, and that that's why you niche. Yeah, and, and 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 not just why you niche, but if you once you decide what your niche is or niches, if there are more than one, um, that th- that book talks about exactly how to actually effectively reach to 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 be effective in getting someone to take the next step. Well, that would be step three. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're probably running out of time, but well, we basically... Can, let's, let's, you... let's, let's do step three, and then we can kind of do a little summing up. But would you agree with me, that book, and what is the exact title? Do you remember? Made to Stick? Um, it's basically... I think it, it, 
if you put that in there, it's got a picture of a, a piece of elastotape over the cover. Yeah. It's pretty easy to find. Yeah, yeah the, the Chip and Dan Heath, I believe, are the authors. Um, it is a superb book uh, for anyone interested in the kind of things we're talking about. Very readable, totally applicable to the Alexander Technique. Anyway, uh, point three, what would that be? Well, I think I won't so much go into point three. What I will say as a kind of summary is mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a whole holistic system. You know, a, a lot of Alexander Technique teachers, I think they, they, they look at one person saying, oh, you've got to do this, and they rush off and do that, and then another person says, you've got to do this, and you rush off and do that. Well, what I've been doing, I mean, when I had this epiphany about my students having a struggle to actually find work and making a clear decision that it was now my job description to generate the opportunities and educate them about that, Mm-hmm. I realized that's what I needed to do first. So I decided I was going to become a master of marketing and sales and business. And I probably have spent close to $100,000 educating myself um, to understand that. And in the process, I've been able to, as I, as you said, when you open, take Body Chance now into the leading teacher education school in the world. And I hope we, I know that our quality is very high. We, we don't sacrifice quality for quantity at all. So my message is that it's a holistic system. You can't just do one little bit. You, you've got to understand that there's a whole bunch of things which all connect together and that when you can, if you like, be in the whole mandala and make it all work together, that's when it clicks. That's when you start to get traction. That's when you start to get success. And it's fun. It's really fun when it starts to tick over. But the other message that I give to teachers is that Alexander Technique is industrial. And by that, what I mean is, you know, you said the plural niches. I highly doubt that a teacher can do more than one niche in their lifetime. I really do. Because whatever niche you choose, you are an agent of transformation. You are an agent. You're a revolutionary. You're, you're like the Steve Jobs of your niche. You're going to go into that niche and you are going to transform it. And it's a lifetime's job. So I think the idea that you can go into multiple niches is just way too ambitious. You ought to find what's your passion, what's your interest, and make a very clear decision that my life's going to be devoted to helping these people understand that there's an entirely new principle they can use in the application of whatever it is they're doing, which will truly, truly change what they're doing and give them more freedom, more joy, more happiness. In fact, everything that they want, they'll be able to get so much more easily. So, you know, that's my shtick. Mm-hmm. And, and let's say, for example, that the, the niche you cho- choose is helping musicians who want to play, perform better, or maybe musicians who have back pain, or some, something fairly narrow like that. You are, it seems to me, if you're successful at that, you're going to end up getting students that are totally unrelated to it. Well, that's already happened with one of my staff, Basil Kritzer. He, he, he was really the first one who went through my kind of Alexander Technique career success 12-point plan. I mean, I developed it with him, and he applied it into the music area. And before he had even got his diploma, he re- received an invitation from the professor of the top music college in G- 
Japan, the equivalent of Juilliard or the Royal College of Music, inviting him to come and teach. Mm-hmm. That was before he even got it, and that was not because of some accident. He had been consciously and deliberately working on developing himself in that particular niche. Today, he's got two of the leading publishers of music wanting him to write books. He's actually turned one down. He's got two books already published. He's got another two that are in the works with his publisher. When he goes onto his Facebook page and writes something about music, he gets something like 150 likes within about a couple of hours. When he announces a workshop in Nagoya or or Kyoto, it fills up with sometimes in 30 minutes. See, the power of niching is just extraordinary. And he's my poster boy, if you like, for showing that it's amazing what you can achieve when you just... See, a lot of people, when they think about niching, they think, oh, I don't want to niche. I don't want to have to do just one thing. They, they feel like it's somehow narrowing. It's just the opposite. It's opening. You know, the mm-hmm. opportunities, the things that Basil's able to do, the people that he's meeting, it's just extraordinary. So... Do you have any final words for our Alexander Technique teacher and teacher trainee listeners? Yeah, go to my website and sign up for a membership. You can do a free membership, which means that you can read the blog. You can also look, one of the conditions to join my website is that you need to at least submit a basic 12-point plan of your own career that other members of the website can download and read. Mm-hmm. And I do that because although I don't charge you for the lowest level of membership, I want people who are serious. So you need to indicate to me that you really are thinking about this seriously. If you're just coming along to kind of watch and check it out, I don't want you. I want people who are serious and who are going to start to implement these ideas. And they're not my ideas. They're just regurgitated knowledge that's been around for a long, long time. All I've done is kind of put it through an Alexander Technique filter so it makes more sense to teachers. So my invitation would be to go along, become a member of a light level, which is free, read the blogs, do your 12-point plan. Um, and then if you want to have more serious coaching, there are other more pay, paid membership plans that you can join. Mm-hmm. Well, I will put a link to that by the interview. Um, my guest today has been Jeremy Chance an Alexander Technique teacher for over 30 years and um, most recently um, creator of the site. I guess you, I guess the title of the site is Alexander Technique Career Success. Is that right? Yeah. In and, fact, you know, this is a bit of a backdoor way because normally I haven't been publicizing that because I do insist that people do the 12-point plan so they – they can go on my Facebook page of that name and they'll see the link to the 12-point plan and that will take them through and then they will get the website. But if they try to search it on Google, they might not be successful. Basically, you know, I, I put a wall up. I, 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 I really want people who are serious. We've got about 130 people now, Alexander mm-hmm. Technique teachers and trainees. It's a great community because people are really sharing the things they're doing and people are learning from each other. You know, oh, I tried this, and someone else is saying, yeah, that's great, I'm going to try that too. So it's really a community which is helping each other to support getting a career, getting more students, being able to actually sustain a living from just the work alone. Well, I think on that note, we should uh, bring our conversation to an end. Thank you so much, Jeremy. This has been a really fascinating interview. Thank you very much, Robert. I've really enjoyed talking with you.